Good morning. My name is Larry Baxter, and I'm one of the 12 deacons of the church. Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who want, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. A story that I'm sure all of us grew up hearing many times in many different ways uh, is actually back in the theaters now, being told again in a new movie. And I have a little clip from it I want to show you. I think most of us as kids, when we hear that story of Aladdin and that magic little lamp that he'd rub and the genie come out and offer him three wishes, we've thought through, what would we do with those three wishes? If we had those three wishes, what, what would we ask for? And if you're like me, you're always trying to think, how could I get the most out of them, right? And then you're thinking, well, I bet a lot of you did this. The third one, I'm going to somehow have to ask for a way that I can get more wishes, right? See if I can trick it and see if somehow that I can get just unending wishes, that they'll just keep coming and coming. Well, in some ways, that's what it sounds like in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. It sounds like Jesus is saying that I'm just going to grant all your wishes all the time. Uh, If you ask, you'll always receive. You'll always find. The door will always be open to you. No matter what, everything that you could possibly wish for will be yours. The problem is that all of us have prayed for things and asked for things and sought answers to things, and we've not received what we had asked for. We've not found the answers that we've sought out. Uh, We have knocked to try and find God's presence, and there have been times when we just feel like we just can't get access. We just just can't find him. Uh, All of us know that, that this doesn't seem to be true. And so then we start looking for where's the fine print, you know? Where are those little qualifiers that say, well, it's not really quite what you thought? Because we've all seen that in documents, right, where we're offered something, but if you look closely, there's the fine print that says, well, wait a minute, it's not quite what you thought it was. Or there are conditions to it or qualifiers. Well, the truth is, I I think there are some qualifiers. It's kind of like the genie here in this little clip. The genie said, you know, you've got to be really precise with your words. You've got to say it a certain way if if you want to get what you really want. Again, we kind of expect that, and, and we get a little disappointed when we find out in prayer that there actually are some qualifiers, there's some conditions uh, that are put around prayer. You can find that in a lot of passages, but uh, here are just a few of them. John 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And in my name, in that time, in that culture, it meant a little more than it might mean to us. It doesn't mean just tack the name of Jesus on the end of your prayer. In my name, I think, means in accordance with everything that that name stands for, in accordance with him and his will. You hear that more clearly in 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. He'll hear us, 
if it's according to his will. James 4, 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not ask God. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So again, you may receive, but if, if, you're wanting, if your motive is to just spend this on your pleasures, if your motives are bad, then God's not going to just answer that prayer as you asked it to be answered. And you kind of see a qualifier here in Matthew 7, 7 and 8 when he tells you to ask and to seek and to knock and you will receive and you will find and the door will be open to you. But then immediately after he gives this illustration and the illustration he says that, you know, it's, it's like a good father. And we all know what a good father should be and should do. A good father is somebody who, you know, his kid comes up and asks him for bread to meet his needs because he's hungry. He's not going to give him a stone. A good father wouldn't do that. And if your kid asks for a fish, a good father isn't going to offer him a snake. Now, I can't read that passage anymore without thinking of my friend here at church, Nate Ingbrick, who makes his living playing with creepy crawly things. That's what he does. Um, so Nate is probably reading this passage going, well, why would you not give your kid a snake? Of course you would. Uh, but we all get what it means, right? We all get you want to give your kids really what they want. But you want to make sure it's a good gift, Right? A good parent, I, I want my kids' needs to be met. I want them to have the very things they long for. But sometimes the question is not really, uh, they don't understand the best way to have those needs met. Sometimes they don't even understand what would be good for them. So sometimes the request isn't really, if I gave it, I'm not sure the gift I give would actually be a good gift. The problem with parents is, um, and Jesus touches on it here, he says, you know, you do that, even you'll do that, and you're evil. So kind of a side note, anybody who wants to say that man at their core is not, are not sinful beings, Jesus just says it like it's a matter-of-fact thing. You know, you're all evil. Uh, you know that. You're all sinners. But even you, even you sinful parents, evil parents, even you want to give good gifts to your kids. You know, that's, that's kind of the norm. Now, we know there are cases where it's not true, but kind of the norm is a parent wants to give something good to their kids. But we parents, we human parents, we, we struggle. We struggle because I had limited insight into my, my children's minds and hearts. I don't always know what their motives really are. I don't really know why they're wanting that all the time or how they would put it to use. I'm sure limited because I don't know the future. I can't see if I give them that gift, what will the impact ultimately be? It seems good now, but will it have a good impact on down the road? Will it have a good pa- impact upon others if I give it to them? I, I can't see that. Makes me think of another theme that's pretty common in movies. You know, when they, they build the time machine and they go back into the past, and when they go back into the past, they change some event. You know, they, they go back so they can change a bad event, take away that bad event, and then we've all seen those stories where then they change the one event and then the ripple effect was it created new bad events uh, that they didn't expect and didn't plan for and sometimes worse than the original bad event. I don't know the future. I don't know the impact of every choice. I, I want to give good gifts to my kids. A good father wants to do that. But I'm, I'm kind of limited in knowing exactly what is good. And boy, my children are sure limited in knowing what exactly is good for them. They don't have even as much life experience. They haven't had the opportunity to learn as much, to grow in wisdom in the same ways through life. So surely their uh, choices are, are limited. Their understanding is limited. But God is not. God can see into the hearts and minds. God can see into the future. 
And he is a God who wants to give good gifts to his kids, Jesus tells us. I remember one of the first times that, that I kind of remember praying and really thinking about afterwards, God, why did you not give that to me? That seems like it was a, would have been a good gift. It seems like it was a good prayer. God, why did you not do that? And really struggling with it. It was when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I was on a wrestling team. I was wrestling JV on the wrestling team as a freshman, and there was a senior who was the varsity wrestler over top of me in that weight class. Uh, and during school one day, a coach came to me and said, uh, the varsity wrestler is really sick, and you're going to have to wrestle varsity tonight. I was terrified. I normally would have actually been kind of excited about it. In this case, I was terrified because I knew the kid that he had to wrestle from the other school. I knew who he was. He was the best wrestler on their team. Matter of fact, in our weight class, he was one of the best wrestlers in the county. He was a senior. He had placed high in the state tournament the year before, and he was expected probably to win the state that year. That's the kid I knew I had to wrestle that night. And I also knew the only reason they weren't forfeiting that weight class and sticking me in there is because they already kind of knew him, even as a freshman. I was pretty difficult to pin. I wasn't that good, but I just didn't get pinned very easily. So they were just looking at us, go in there, get killed, but save us three points. That's, that's all we really care about. So I was expecting to just get slaughtered. Everyone else was expecting it. It's just what they thought would happen. Just don't get pinned. Uh, but then the thought came to me. During that school day, I thought to myself, what if... What if this kid that everyone expects me to get killed by, this little freshman no one's heard of, they expect him to kill me. What if I shock them all and I go out there and beat that kid? What if I pin that kid? What a miracle that would be. You know what? My uh, popularity would be off the charts all of a sudden. Boy, it would just skyrocket. All the girls would want to be with me, you know? Uh, now I look back and I think, what a dumb thing. Like, Hardly any girls came to wrestling matches unless they were dating somebody or sister of somebody. They could have cared less if I won a wrestling match. But in my freshman mind, my world was going to change, you know. I at least surely would have had the respect of all the other wrestlers and coaches. Life would have changed. And I, and I thought about it, and that day I prayed. And I prayed. And I really asked God, God, would you just give me this? Would you please just... Just let something happen where I beat this kid and I pin this kid. It would just be such a, a cool and amazing thing in my life. Let that happen. As you might guess, uh, I didn't get pinned. That's about all we're going to say about that match. Uh, I didn't win. And I remember later that night thinking to myself, and a little frustrated, a little angry even, thinking, God, how hard would that have been for you to give me? How hard would that have been for you to have done? Why would it have mattered to you? Give me that one thing I asked for. It would have meant so much to me. It would have been so life-giving to me in my freshman mind. It's not hard for me to imagine today, again, with some life under my belt, it's not hard for me to imagine maybe that wouldn't have been life-giving. Maybe what I saw as a good gift really wouldn't have been a good gift. I can imagine ways it might not have been. And I don't know what all would have happened, but I can imagine that. I imagine it surely wouldn't have been a great gift for the other kid wrestling. Uh, I can see ways that that might be true, that I just didn't, couldn't see things from the perspective God could see things. 
And that just because I didn't get what I asked for doesn't mean God wasn't there loving me and caring for me and wanting to give me good gifts. Wanting to say yes to the things I asked for and maybe saying yes in a way that I hadn't even imagined. Uh, It's not hard to picture that could be true. One of the, uh, a prayer that I've read before, I'm sure many of you have read it, and I think it's uh, one of my favorites. It's a prayer that was said to have been found on the body of a, a Confederate soldier on a battlefield during the Civil War. Here are the words. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humility to obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. I love that line. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. What would a good parent give their child? Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, most richly blessed. You know, it's easy sometimes when we read a passage like Matthew 7, 7 and 8 to say, oh God, it's, it's not really true. You know, there are all these qualifiers and that's nice, but it's not really true. You're not really going to give us If we ask, we'll receive, and if we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. Well, maybe you'll do good, but, you know, we shouldn't expect too much or want too much. We need to adjust our desires to kind of fit. You know, probably not much is going to happen. And the truth is, a lot of times when we run into qualifiers around things, the fine print, it is put there to kind of try and trick us or manipulate us, to let us hope for more and then kind of take it away from us. But when Jesus says this to us, when he tells us to to ask and to seek and to knock, I don't think that's what he's saying to us. I don't think he's wanting to trick us at all. I think he really is saying is, man, think about who you're talking to. Think about who it is you're asking and seeking and knocking and keep coming back to him. Because he really is a God. He is, and this is what he says, he is your father in heaven. He's not a vending machine, Right? You're not asking a vending machine. You're not coming to someone who you just push the right buttons, do it the right way, and you get what you want. You're asking your Father in heaven, who's a good Father. And you know what? You imagine at least what a good Father should be. He is a good Father. Truly is. And so when you ask Him, He's like a good Father. He wants to give good gifts to His kids. loves to do that for His kids. But He also can see beyond what his kids can see, can understand more than his kids might be able to understand, even us. Because, you know, as an adult, I still sometimes pray things that now I'm like, God, I know this is a good request. I know what I'm asking is according to your will. I know this is right and good, God. Why in the world would you not give this to me right now in the way that I asked? But I'm also confident that the one I'm asking is my Heavenly Father who really loves giving good gifts to his kids. And, and even though I don't fully understand why that one wasn't answered in the way that I asked, or in the time that I asked it to be answered, that I'm talking to someone who knows me and understands me and knows my future and knows the future of those around me 
knows the impact that these things will have. He knows, and he's a good God who loves his kids. That's who I'm speaking to. If I really hold on to that, you know, because again, stop and think for just a minute about what Jesus is saying here. He is actually saying to you, don't be, don't want less. Don't be more careful in the things you ask for. That's not what he's saying at all here. He is saying, no, go for it. Ask, seek, knock. Matter of fact, the word in the Greek is, a, is it's written in a way, those three words are written in a way that it communicates a continuing action. He's just not saying ask, seek, knock. He's saying ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. Keep doing it and doing it and doing it and going back and going back and going back. Because you're talking to a God who loves giving good gifts to his kids. You know, that frees me in some ways to know that. Because if, if I get those three wishes from the genie, I got to tell you, I am thinking long and hard about just the right possible way to use them exactly how to use them and get the most out of them that I possibly can and not mess it up and maybe even a way I can trick that genie so I can get some more because I don't expect him to be for me I just I didn't want to get the most out of it I can it kind of frees me to know that the one I'm speaking to is my heavenly father because you know what even when even when I asked for something that honestly I didn't even know the consequences of if, if I got that if I knew I probably would have said no please don't give that to me or no, wait on that. Give that to me later. Or no, give that to me in a different way. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what it is to ask for a good gift. Even still, even as an adult, I, I'm not sure a lot of times. But the cool thing is the one I'm asking, he is always going to run it through the filter of his wisdom and his knowledge, his knowledge of me, his knowledge of his creation, his knowledge of what's truly good for us. And he's going to answer our prayer, but he's going to always answer in a way that's been run through that filter and true good comes our way. I, I can't do that even for myself, right? can't understand enough to even ask that well for myself. But boy, there's freedom to keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking when I know he's going to translate it, interpret it through what he knows and give me good. But then that does raise a second question. So the second question is, if God wants to give me good gifts, and even if they're gifts I don't know to ask for or haven't even thought of yet, and he's going to give me good gifts, then why even let me mess up the process? Why let me in it? Why not just give me the good gifts? Why do I even need to ask? And that question people come back to often, why ask? He knows what I need anyways better than I do. You know, if you look at chapter earlier in Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, uh, one of the things he says to him in chapter 6 is don't, don't be people who babble on and on like the pagans, thinking that the more they say and if they just say a whole lot that somehow it's going to get through to God and God's more likely to answer their prayer. He says, you know, don't be like them. And he says, for your Father in heaven knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows, so you don't need to say a whole lot and say more. He, he knew before you asked. Again, I come back, so why ask? Why, why does he even want me to participate in this process? Why does he tell me again and again, ask and seek and knock, if he already knows? Well, I think at least one of the reasons is, maybe a pretty central reason, is because if he is a father in heaven who wants to give good gifts to his kids, the very best gift he can give is himself. The very best gift, he knows us. He knows what we need. He knows how we're designed. The very best gift is relationship with him, dependence upon him, submission to his will, following close after him, 
that's the best gift he could possibly give us. So if he's a good father, he's not only not going to give us some things that he knows, even though you want them and maybe even your motives are good right now, I know better than you that that's not going to turn out so well. So I'm not going to give it exactly as you asked. He's a good father. Of course he'd do that. But he's a good father. He also isn't going to necessarily give you something that's truly, truly good if he knows that that good thing is somehow going to help you turn away from him, help you kind of get to a place where you think you're sufficient and okay without him. Because that wouldn't be a good gift either, right? And we all know the truth. It is often need and loneliness and confusion and uncertainty and hunger and all those things that cause us to keep looking for God, turning back for him, realizing we're not enough without him. We all know that to be true. C.S. Lewis, uh, in his book, you all know the screw tape letters. Uh, and remember, it's written from the perspective of this is the demon screw tape who's writing letters to his apprentice nephew, a minor demon, and telling him how to do the job. So in the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis writes this, uh, or screw tape the demon is saying this. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, while really it's finding his place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing an agreeable work build up in him a sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. A sense of being really at home in earth, which is just what we want. And you know that's the story of Scripture again and again. That, that when the people of God are blessed and kind of receive abundance and are in a comfortable place, the tendency again and again is to start thinking, I don't really need God so much. You know what? We're doing pretty well on our own. Matter of fact, a lot of this seems to, we produced it. We sustain it. We're the ones who are making it happen. We have questions, but you know what? We're pretty bright. I think we can figure this out. We can come up with the answers ourselves. Yeah, I have that tug in me that tells me that I need something beyond myself, but you know what? Even that beyond myself, I might be able to create for myself in some way. There's something in us that when it gets too comfortable, we always kind of want to say, you know, we're doing just fine without God. He would not be a good father if he didn't also keep pulling us back to himself because this father knows the life you long for is not possible apart from him. The true life, the good life, he's the source. And apart from him, you shall never find it. Matter of fact, apart from him is a path, no matter how good it looks, that only leads to destruction. So he tells us, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because a good life is a life that keeps looking back to God, keeps reaching out, keeps wanting more, keeps being hungry, and keeps knowing that he's the only place we're going to really find it. So then you come to the end of this passage. So to wrap it up, at the end of this passage in verse 12, it seems like suddenly it just switches gears, has nothing to do with what came before. So the end of the passage says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. It's like, what in the world does that have to do with seek, ask, ask, seek, and knock, and the story you just told? Uh, do to others what you'd have them do to you. You know, that, what we call the golden rule. But it kind of reminds us that this passage about asking and seeking, knocking, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't show up in some just out of nowhere. It's actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. And that passage appears towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so you remember in the Sermon on the Mount what he's been saying. This is, 
this is what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom, to live the kingdom life. And he calls us to that life, and man, it's a pretty tough calling. And you look at the things Jesus, he's again and again saying, you know, you've heard, you've been taught this, but here's what it really looks like to live this life with God. And it's always a step up. It's always more again and again. Matter of fact, it was common, even before Jesus was born, uh, there was a very similar phrase that was common in many cultures. It went something like, um, as soon as I find it, something like, something like, this is where I, when I was a youth pastor, I would always start singing a song <laughs> to fill in the gap. Uh, but I'm not going to make you all tolerate that. So instead of saying, uh, do unto others what you would have them do to you, a very common phrase in that day was, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. Hear the difference? Do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. That was common in many cultures of his day. Everybody knew that phrase. His listeners would have known that phrase. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Well, that sounds pretty tough, you know? But I can kind of do that by just saying, I'm just going to avoid harming people. I'm going to stay away from them, make them a small part of my life because I, I don't want to do bad to them just like I wouldn't want bad done to me and just avoid them. He puts a positive spin on it as he so often did in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, no, not don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Do to others what you want done to you. That's a lot tougher, right? That's a lot harder. That's why you look back a little bit and uh, in this passage, and you look just a little earlier, and he said things like, love your enemies. He said things like, pray for others. He said things like, don't judge your neighbor. Those things that are no do for them what you want done for you. That's tough. I mean, this is a high calling. This is hard. So it's not strange that in the midst of that, he then says, you know what? You can't do this in your own ability. Ask. Seek. Knock. Ask for God to provide what you need. Seek the answers you can't find. Knock. Keep pursuing God's presence because you will not be able to do this on your own. Do it again and again and again because if you want to live that life, you know we're called to. You know it's a good life. There's just something as you read the sermon, you know that's, that's the good life. You just can't do it by yourself. But the good news, Jesus is saying, you know what? You don't have to. You don't have to do this in your own ability. Because God loves you. And he loves giving good gifts to you. And he's right there with you, walking along with you. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you um, that when we speak to you, Father, you are always so ready to respond. Father, we don't always understand the response. Father, I'm sure there are people in this service right now that are asking for things that are good things, things they deeply long for, things that seem so according to your will and your word. And Father, they are waiting for an answer and uncertain when it will come or if it will come. Father, I pray that you would give them patience, you would give them hope, that you would grow their trust in you and your goodness towards them. And Father, I pray that you would allow them to see answers to those prayers even if they're different than what they imagine. Father, I pray you'd help us to keep coming back to you again and again and again because you are a good God, our Heavenly Father, who loves giving good gifts to his kids. In your name.
Amen.